Hey guys, what's up? Matt Sutton here from Mastering You, the Lifestyle Performance Podcast. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, just to give you an idea, this is for anyone that's really into understanding themselves, understanding how they can better themselves through the avenues of improving your health, your mindset, overcoming challenges, basically anything personal development, self-growth, this is a podcast for you. And we have a massive back catalogue now full of those different categories from exercise to nutrition to basically just living your best life. Uh, We have some amazing inspirational stories too. And we've got one of those today with Casey Ruff. So Casey is the CEO of Boundless Body and really enjoyed this conversation. We had quite a wide ranging conversation around health, mindset, nutrition, Um, Casey's particular expertise is in low-carbohydrate diets, ketogenic diets, carnivore diets, and in this episode, he actually goes into some of the science behind the benefits of these and some of the misconceptions around low-carb and around, around the subject of ketogenic and carnivore dieting in general. So I think you really enjoy this one. Like I said, it is quite wide-ranging. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to make lots of notes, lots of strategies you can take into your own life. And one really cool thing is the positive story that Casey shares of himself and his wife off the back of COVID-19 and how he it was really cool to actually to, to hear someone share a positive story of COVID for a change. So enjoy this one, guys. Let's get straight into it. Casey Ruff. Okay, KC Ruff, we're live. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. And um, yeah, welcome to Mastering You. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on board. How's, how's your day going? Man, it's going great so far. Um, thank you so much for hosting me. I'm really honored. I've been listening to a lot of your episodes. I really love them. You have great content. And I'm just, I'm so happy to be counted with those guests. And before we really dive in, I just have to say to your country, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, At the time of this recording, England, Great Britain has had an amazing week. Mark Cavendish is back at the Tour de France. (laughs) Two stages. (laughs) Yes. And and more than that, I am a diehard fan of Brazilian soccer. I've lived in Brazil for two years, and my heart is still just absolutely broken over the 2014 defeat to Germany. And England just beat Germany in the Euro, yeah. and I'm so, yeah. so grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've, got, uh, we've got a football fever right, right now over here. Uh, we're getting, we're getting quite it. excited. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> Thank you so much for beating Germany. <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping this time next week we're going to be just as excited. <laughs> well, I hope so too. I'm a true fan. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Oh, thanks, Casey. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, we we um we had a little chat chat just before we started, and it, and it's it's also you know we're very much um, similar in, in what we do. Uh, you, so you say where are you based now? Utah, is it? Yeah, that's right. So Utah, in the United States. Um, we are about thirty minutes outside of Salt Lake City, uh, just in a suburb. Um, we live in a great little neighborhood that's got a lake and um, you know really great trails to ride bikes, and the mountains are just really close, and so it's a really beautiful place. Nice, nice, lovely, lovely. I've done a bike ride in Utah, 
on the peloton. No <laughs> on the peloton. <laughs> Where did you go? Nearest, that's the nearest I can get to doing a bike ride in Utah right you now. Ride. <laughs> that's great. Where did you ride? Do you remember? I can't remember. I can't remember. I've done quite a few of those now, though, and I and it's it's been really nice. But, um, that's great. So we just so one of the things that we just talked about, and like I said to you, it's really good to actually hear some good news coming out of COVID. Um, if you don't mind, just for the for the benefit of the listeners, just just to share how your life has changed quite a bit, you, yourself and your wife, your life has changed quite a bit as a result of COVID and, and for the better. So if you could give us a bit of the backstory about how that's all happened. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> what a crazy year. So my wife and I were both working for a, a big corporate gym, um, 140 locations around the United States and Canada. I had um, 13 years experience with the company. Um, my wife had had six years experience with the company. Um, we met obviously through the company and she moved from Colorado to Utah. We got married and, and yeah, I kind of focus on um, nutrition coaching and personal training. And I did a form of metabolic testing where we would measure people's metabolism, see how many calories they were burning and also how they were burning fat and carbohydrates, which was really fun. I really loved it. Um, we did a lot of heart rate training, which I have a passion for. Uh, my wife was more on the Pilates side of things. She's also a personal trainer and she does a form of myofascial uh, release called Rossiter, um, which really helps people like get out of pain, which is pretty nice. Rock, can, you, um, can you spell that for me? What's it called? Yeah, Rossiter. R-O-S-S-I-T-E-R. It's named after um, somebody, uh, I, obviously, like he's a, a huge influence in what we do. Um, his name is Richard Rossiter. We've had him on our podcast, Balanced Body Radio, twice. Um, and he developed a system of releasing myofascial tissue that's kind of similar to Rolfing, but you actually use your feet. So as the practitioner, it's a lot easier on your body. And you basically step on a person somewhere where... Wow. where yeah, it's interesting where they're experiencing like some type of like tightness and the person is actually in charge of like moving through a range of motion. Um, it's, it's really, <laughs> it's really weird to describe, but I've seen, I've seen it work miracles. My wife is absolutely amazing at it. She's helped me times that I pulled my hamstring or been injured. Um, I recently had a foot injury that, you know, she did a few techniques and the next day I was like 90% better. It's pretty amazing. So Anyway, um, yeah, we were working for this big corporation and, um, you know, it was great at the time we had, um, you know, good opportunity to meet new clients and they were affluent clients and we got to get in front of them and kind of pitch our services. The downside to that kind of lifestyle, it was extremely competitive. It was very high pressure, lots of sales, hundred percent commission. And so if you weren't selling a lot of things, a lot of packages, a lot of services and supplements and things like that, you wouldn't make any money. So we were doing that and we were on the grind. Uh, March of 2020 happened. We all know that was a pretty crazy month and the gym got shut down and we were placed on unemployment and, you know, sitting around and being really, you know, confused about what to do. And we just, we started to really focus on, you know, like, like, educating ourselves on what the virus was and, and what was maybe going to happen. And we kind of realized pretty quick that what people wanted to happen and the pandemic was probably going to go far, far longer than what, what most people expected or thought was going to happen, especially around here. Like nobody was really following any guidelines or <laughs> trying to protect other people. So anyway, we just, we, we kind of, we kind of saw that most of our clients, their behaviors were going to change. People were working from home. They were dusting off equipment that they forgot about in their basement. And they 
changed their habits and they actually really enjoyed it. They didn't have to drive anywhere. They weren't going to the business park where the gym was located anyway. They were staying home. It was saving time. And so we just kind of pivoted around what we saw was a changing situation and started a business just mostly to train the same people that we were training before. And so, yeah, it's been a really interesting transition, but it, it's been amazing um, for us in a really terrible year and a lot of horrible things that happened. We were lucky to come out on top. It was great. Yeah, because I guess a lot of the coaching that you were doing with your clients was was coaching that didn't always have to take place in a specific big box gym environment, right? So that's right. Why why, why wouldn't you do it anywhere else, whether it be in your backyard or in your basement or over Zoom? You know, sure. A lot of a lot of the big transformation that people achieve is just through the correct education, right? Um, that's right. And so I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had the same. We, we've been able to, we did loads of masterclasses and loads of education and I did lots of podcasts and we carried on online with the coaching with our mentor. We're actually still online in, in, in a small capacity now. Um, you know, the world is, is just a very different place to sort of 15, 16 months ago. But, but sure. not, not all for the worse, certainly... I haven't spoke to many other fit pros about this. For me, what's your feeling on COVID and, and what are the key lessons and what are your hopes that will come out of it? Like, so for me personally, I just feel like this is, this is almost something that was needed in a way to just really give people that kick to start taking more personal responsibility for their health. And I don't, I don't really don't know if that, that will happen, but this is my hope anyway, is that yeah. it will, you know, push people to think about their health as a whole. And, you know, your health isn't just, did I go to the gym twice a week last week? But, you know, your health, as we know from COVID and, and from the data that's being shown about the people that are actually really getting ill from COVID and, and it, or losing their life from COVID, you know, um, many of which maybe have, have that, that data may be a lot more promising had we been in a better condition, had, you know, the, the right supplementation, you know, getting enough vitamin D, the, the list goes on, right? What, what, what's your hope with the, the outcome of this whole craziness? Man, yeah, that's a really great question. I, I made a Facebook post really early on in the pandemic, and I, I really tried to be respectful about it. I did, this is a really horrible disease, and it's impacting people in really terrible ways. And, and I just, in this Facebook post, I just said, like, this, this is why we were telling you for all these years, like, you need to be strong. You need to get outside. You need fresh air. You need vitamin D from the sun. Like you need to eat right. Do things that make you be resilient and strong because there's going to be stressful times like a pandemic that just, they, they keep coming. They come every like 10 years. And like there's, there's a reason we were asking you guys to like do some of these things. And so I've seen it go both ways. I've seen some people take this, this craziness and use it like exactly like you did. This is an opportunity. This is a time where you can stop. You can reflect. You can choose 
how deliberate you want to be with your life or your business or, you know, what you want to do moving forward. We, maybe we'll never get this chance again to really stop this crazy life that we're just like throttling so hard all the time to reflect and decide what you want to do. And I've seen other people that have, you know, they've either sat around and complained and, you know, wasted their time and stayed in a life that they didn't like. I mean, the numbers of, you know, the average weight gain during COVID, it's, it's a real bummer. Like people are, are, are also going the wrong way. They're, they're, you know, ordering more take takeaway food. They're, you know, they're, they're eating more processed food. They're gaining weight at such a rate that it's like, I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I, I, do you know that the starfish story, have you ever heard the starfish story on the beach with the little girl? So, so there's a storm. Uh, so there's a storm overnight that washes a bunch of starfish onto the beach and there's thousands and thousands of starfish and a little girl is on the beach and she's throwing one by one these starfish back into the ocean, which is basically saving their lives. And an old man comes up to her and, and he's looking at the beach and all these starfish and saying like, little girl, like you're never going to save all of these starfish. Like you, you can't do this task. There's way too many. They're, they're going to die. What difference are you going to make? And she picks up a starfish and looks at it and throws it in the ocean and says, "Well, it made a difference to that one." And that's the way I think of it. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of optimism for a population. I don't think we're going the right direction. I think it's going to get worse. But if there's an individual person that we can connect with and help, that that makes all the difference. That's that's what we can do. So I think it's important to look at the situation and control what you can control and don't worry about the things that you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's like that that analogy of a stone and, and a ripple and then the, the ripple goes into a wave and then the wave goes into the tide. Like, you know, uh, we, we in our... Uh, and our roles as, as trainers and coaches, at least we get to at least cause a little bit of a ripple, right? And That's even right. if one person listens to even this episode and it inspires them to start taking you know, their health seriously and, and start really investing in, in themselves and their health, um, then that's a great start to a, a ripple that I'm really be proud of. So how, let's, let's start that ripple now. Like um, with... With regards to, obviously, we had a little bit of your backstory. So you're really big on sort of the lower carb approach, kind of like keto stroke carnivore. What, why is that, Casey? What yeah, are the great benefits question. of low carb? That's a, that's a great question. So through my career, um, you know, I've, 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 like I said, been doing this for 13, 14 years, and I've had the opportunity again to work with a metabolic cart. So for the listener, this is a machine hooked up to a computer that goes through an umbilical cord that goes up to a mask that somebody would wear, and they would breathe in and out through this mask, and the machine would analyze the results. And we would do that when people would be resting. So, you know, sitting in a dark room, not doing anything, we could tell them how many calories they would be burning while they're resting. And then we could also do it while they were exercising. So somebody could ramp up their heart rate. And throughout that process, we could see not only how many calories they were burning and what their VO2 max was, which is pretty cool, but we could also tell them how much fat and how much carbohydrate that they were burning while they were doing any one of those things. So wow, that's yeah, it's really cool. It was great. It was a very useful tool. Um, in the beginning, um, you know, like 2007, 2008, 2009, like, you know, long time, de decade ago, we would use those, that information to tell people exactly how many calories they needed to eat based on their results. 
Um, and we would tell them like how, how good they were at burning fat versus how good they were at burning carbohydrates. We really, it wasn't very much involved. Uh, more how, than accurate, that. how accurate is this machine? Um, great question. I am reasonably accurate. I would say just, just based on using it for as long as I did, I would say the results were fairly consistent. Um, it's a technology that's kind of bled down over the years and become a little bit less expensive and it, gyms and facilities can use things like this. There's lots of different brands and lots of different uh, ways that you can measure those things. Um, but it just wasn't very sophisticated. We were using like a calories in calories out model of fitness. So you burn, you know, 2,500 calories. So just go eat 2000 calories, which is 500 calories less. And if you do that for a week, that's 3,500 calories, which is one pound. And you just do that for as many weeks as you had pounds to lose yeah, and yeah. you get to your target weight. And yeah. I, I, I can tell, I can tell by the smile on your face, like that doesn't work. That really doesn't work for most people. They notice that they try to follow it. They maybe track their food and you know, they're trying. Well, how, yeah, I mean, it's just health is just way more complex than just a mathematical equation. It's, it's like, it's like all of these different strategies, isn't there? There's, there's caveats to all of them. There's, there's right. little bits of usefulness in a lot of them, but then you have to understand that there's, there's just more to the, the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. We were just telling people to track calories. We weren't telling them much more than that, and people weren't getting very good results, and we just thought that everybody was really bad at following the advice. And it was introduced to me in about 2012, a coach that was working with our company um, started to introduce the concept that you could change a person's metabolism by changing their nutrition as far as the content. And he was training like world-class Ironman triathletes that were eating higher fat, lower carbohydrate diets, competing at the highest levels and taking in very, very low amounts of carbohydrates and fuel while they were training and they would never bonk. And this was like, this blew my mind. Like I, I, you know, I've raced road bikes in my life. Um, and we would just obviously do what all the other endurance athletes do. You eat very high carbohydrates. You need all of the drinks and the gels and the goos, okay. and you need to refuel all the time because otherwise you're going to bonk. And, and, again, this really, it's this idea really blew my mind. So I started to introduce more fat into my diet, which by nature reduced the amount of carbohydrates in my diet. And my performance was going up and I leaned out a little bit. I got a little bit less puffy and, um, it started working for my clients. It was finally something that I could introduce for people that really helped. And I don't care what people do. I don't care if people eat plant-based or meat-based. It doesn't matter to me. I don't get paid any differently. I just get paid if people get results. Yeah. And the more I pushed towards that, the better results we got. Um, you know, we did like weight loss contests at our gym and we have a body fat tracker. And I kind of made this, this little thing where we did our own little program. Anybody that signed up for this weight loss contest with us, the only thing we did is like gave them like low carbohydrate meal plans. Don't track calories, eat as much of these foods as you like. And we would track their weight, their body fat, their muscle mass. And over, you know, doing so many of these contests and working with hundreds, literally hundreds of people, we saw that people would lose fat really easily. They would maintain their muscle mass. Um, you know, they weren't just losing water or losing is, other is this, is this following more keto, keto style with the higher fat or is this more of the carnivore with the, the higher protein? 
Yeah, great question. The biggest focus was just reducing the carbohydrates. Right. Just, okay. So how, however you did that kind of whatever. That's right. I used to call it a high fat diet. And over time I realized like the fat that most people want to burn is not the fat that you consume and you eat. So a lot of people that do keto are like eating tons of butter, tons of bacon, tons of olive oil. And I was certainly doing that in the beginning, but you start to realize like there's fat that you consume, but there's also fat on the body and it's already here. And most people don't like it. It jiggles and it's big and it's, it's a perfectly good fuel for the body. And most people just can't access and burn it away in the conditions that we have. And carbohydrates are really, really good at elevating insulin, which tells the body to be in a storage mode and not in a fat burning mode. And just any strategy that people can find if they have excessive body fat that they don't want anymore, if they can be in a state where the insulin falls and the body says, wow, well, check this out. Like here's, here's a sandwich I ate last year. Here's some spaghetti I had two years ago. Let's burn this as fuel, which yeah. the body is perfectly good at. That, that's a really good and effective way to create health and weight loss. Yeah, and, and the other issue being, uh, not to get too complex, but a lot of carbohydrate foods come with the, the, the other issues, whether it be you know, gluten, wheat, um, that they get, they get burnt off very quickly. So you, you can have a biscuit and then you can smash another five biscuits without any issue at all, right? Whereas totally. if you, you have an egg or an avocado, you're not craving to have like another three eggs or another three avocados straight up. You're like, you're like I'm done, you know? And yeah. this is the thing that we try and talk to our members about all the time is, is I, I almost, I almost talk, to, talk about it a lot as the analogy of when you're getting dressed now to people. Like, you know, when you're getting dressed, whether it be to go out, remember, remember those times when we used to go out? Like for me, I'd be like, okay, what, what am I wearing? I'm going to wear jeans or I'm going to wear like, and then I'll start with those and I'll be like, okay, well, what goes with that? Maybe a black t-shirt, maybe. And I, that's how we talk about meal planning. Start, we, we, we encourage people that, that that analogy would be protein. So start with that protein source, you know, and then what goes with that protein? What, 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 you're going to have some, some chicken breast, some grilled chicken. You're going to have a fillet of salmon. What do you fancy with that? Maybe some greens. Maybe some, you know, jacket, uh, sweet potato or something like that. You know, what what goes with that? And kind of just getting them to embed that because we we've been so conditioned to start all of our meals from the carbohydrate. That's right. Yeah, great point, dude. I love that. That's a great way to coach people. Start with protein. Start with the things that are going to be like you described, satisfying and satiating. If you eat avocado and eggs until you're very satiated, you're not going to be hungry. You don't care about food. It's very different than trying to force some diet and, and you know go up against your own willpower, which everybody knows you're gonna run out of willpower at some point if you're really hungry all the time. And carbohydrates, it's like the biscuit you talked about. You could crush a whole sleeve of those and not be satiated. You're going to want more and more and more and more versus again, eating things creating meals around protein, I think is a tremendous way to coach people and help them understand that if, if you can be satiated, then you don't need to worry about food. And now you're maybe not even eating the same amount of meals. You're maybe not even meal planning as much as you used to. You're shopping you less. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't even have to eat. I, 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 I've been eating two meals a day for the last six years. Um, 
you know, ever, ever since I, I, I got into keto about six years ago, and that showed me that I just didn't need to eat as often as I was. I, I was like most people. I was like, okay, I've got to have my meal, then I've got to have a snack, then I've got to have another meal. And I was like, oh, no, if you just eat one decent meal, like I'm pretty much good for most of the day. Maybe if I trained in the day, I might have a protein shake as well. Maybe I might throw in a protein bar, but I'm pretty much two meals a day and I'm good. And that, because that's another thing, like people, people are asked like, oh, what should I snack on? And um, I always remember reading Rob Wolf's 30 day reset book. And he's like, you can live hundreds of days without eating food. You can definitely live two hours without having food. <laughs> and it's like, when I read that, I was like, yeah like how how obvious is that like we go two or three hours without food and people are like what am i gonna have what am i gonna have for snacks like you know and this is this is one of the reasons actually i mean we we kind of like with intermittent fasting like that my my issue with intermittent fasting is it's treated like a fad diet type thing i think it's really good strategy for people to get their appetite in check and it reminds them that oh, okay I'm maybe at the moment, hormonally, I'm probably not very optimal because I'm craving food a lot. So maybe it's time to kind of reset things, go lower carb, do some intermittent fasting, teach my body that when, when I need to fast, I can. Um, what, what's, your, what's your take on intermittent fasting and when to, when's a good time to use it? When, you know, how did you use it in your own life? <laughs> Such a great point. Dude, do you remember going from client to client and like, if you didn't get that snack every two to three hours, you would just be like hangry and just pissed off. Like, do you remember how much food you would throw away at the end of the week that you meal prep that you didn't get to that would spoil and go bad? (laughs) Dude, I needed a nap every single day. It was nuts. Um, Fasting, fasting to me is absolutely amazing. It's such an amazing tool. I just think back like you do, like do you think peasants in the field like 500 years ago were like, hang on, like I can't work at 10 in the morning because I need my yogurt snack or I need to have like a granola bar or something like, no, like as humans, we are so good at storing fuel that we can use at a later time. And, you know, I think, I think some of the biggest problems we have with our food is not that carbohydrates are bad. Carbohydrates are not bad in and of themselves. It's just, it's an availability question. The supply is everywhere. I could drive from my house five minutes to 10 different places that will sell me a bucket of soda for like three bucks. Well, give me like cookies with it. You know what I mean? Like that's not supposed to happen. If I go on a walk in my neighborhood, it's not like food is like spontaneously growing everywhere. There's not like apple trees growing all over the place. We would eat probably a lot more sparingly than we do today. Yeah. We would probably as a species focus on fats and proteins because those would keep us really satiated. We'd really feast when we got those meals. Carbohydrates would be more seasonal. It wouldn't be all year, all day, every day that we would get carbohydrates. And yeah. so when we got them, it was a real treat and we would eat them and insulin would rise, which is a fat storing hormone. And so we'd store fat and then there would be a time of the year that maybe it would be winter and, and we could use that fat as a fuel source. So fasting to me is not a fad. Like you said, it's, it's the normal natural way of a human to live. We are really, really good as humans at starving. 
we're good at using fat as fuel. We store a lot of it. And so, yeah, I just, I think it's such an amazing uh, Yeah, tool. I mean, the way I would describe it to people is, is, is eating food is a strategy, right? Fasting and not eating food is also a strategy. <laughs> like that's right. Eating, eating food is not a diet, <laughs> right? <laughs> and not eating food is not a diet. They're just, right. they're just, they're just strategies. In, and sometimes you need more of one. And sometimes it's a good idea to do more. I think personal, personal belief is, you know, 80% of the time we're in the matrix and, and we're just, we're, we're, our habits are we're so conditioned because we're like, we're driving to work and there's that service station there that we always go to. And it's like, oh, that's a good time to maybe have a coffee to get my pick me up. And I'll, I'll, maybe I'll have a little chocolate bar that won't harm. And then go to go to work and now it's Friday. So it's bacon sarnie day. So obviously I'll have that. And so we're just going through the motions without really actually asking what do I actually need? What, what nutrients do I need? Do I need more fiber? Do I need to maybe just watch my carbs a little bit more, maybe increase my protein because I want to gain a little bit more muscle tissue. Um, it's, it does seem there's quite a big lack of education around I don't know about you, but a lot of people are still not aware what a macronutrient is. I and mean, we have to explain this quite a lot. And it does startle me a lot. But then I think, well, actually, I never learned about macronutrients at school. Why, why would anyone know what a macronutrient or a micronutrient is? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great point. I mean, man, I, yeah, it's the, the, way, the way things kind of went down through history was that we started making a lot of processed food. We learned how to, how to make food very inexpensive and give it to everybody. And we didn't really, we didn't really consider like what it would do to the planet, what it would do for our health. Um, you know, and I think the three biggest offenders are, you know, sugar, which we learned how to refine grains, which we learned how to breed differently and, and manipulate. <laughs> yeah. Make really cheap and ubiquitous everywhere. And vegetable oil, which is like a byproduct of something that we had a lot of. We were, you know, producing a lot of cotton and therefore we had a lot of cotton seed and they were sitting around and getting rancid and gross. And, you know, companies started to say, like, maybe there's a use for this. Maybe we can use this to lube a machine or maybe we can make candles or wax out of it. <laughs> they made it into Crisco and vegetable oil, which has nothing to do with vegetables. It's all gross, <laughs> disgusting rancid seeds they called it vegetable oil it's, it's disgusting it's, and we started imagine imagine today like if if vegetable oil didn't exist and me and you were like oh let's have a business idea let's 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 create something called vegetable oil but it has nothing to do with vegetables like you'd probably get shut you wouldn't be able to you'd have some sort of legal action taken on you straight away you would have thought but it's like it's a brilliant like, idea <laughs> yeah. can can you talk to that just for the for the listener that's not aware of like the 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 dangers of vegetable oil because as myself and you know it's in so many foods without without many people even realizing oh it is atrocious <laughs> it is it, it is so bad for you um and i don't know if you guys have this in england but in the states we have a show called how it's made and it's a really interesting show. I really enjoy it. It'll, you know, how, how a bicycle is made or how a basketball is made or how candles are made or whatever. It's, it's kind of interesting. And they did one about canola oil, how canola oil is made. And it was like, 
it was like they were kind of like proud of it almost. And they showed this process of taking seeds and cooking them at very high temperatures, treating it with hexane, um, washing out some of the particles, using solvents, um, the, 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 taking these cakes and like leaching them out. And then you get this nice little plastic bottle of corn oil or soybean oil or canola oil at the very end of the process. Like you watch this and realize this is going into your body. This is disgusting. Vegetable oil is so destructive for our bodies. It is not an oil that we should be including in our diet. It is a polyunsaturated fat, which means that at least two of the bonds in the molecule are unsaturated. So that's an unsaturated fat. And an unsaturated fat means that it, it reacts with oxygen a lot more easily than a saturated fat. And when things react with oxygen, that causes oxidation. So think of, think of what things are oxidation, like rust or aging or wrinkles. And we're putting this stuff inside our body. It's reacting with oxygen, causing all kinds of crazy inflammation. People don't get really good tans when they go in the sun. They start to burn. Again, they get wrinkles. They have gut issues and digestive issues. And then they turn to the medical system. And they get, which they is get more, general joint pain. Joint pain, terrible joint pain. Um, their brains don't function properly. Like your brain is made of fat and you need to have the proper fats to feed your brain the right way. And people are, again, they're going to like the medical system to try to fix the problem. The medical system can throw a bunch of pills at them so they can continue eating this crap. It's so sad. It's such a bummer. Vegetable oil is terrible. And it's in everything. I've got, I've got uh, my, my brain supplement in front of me. It's called Hypes. Oh, um, I love it. We had the CEO, um, Dan, Dan Murray Serta, and he created this um, all-in-one smart supplement which is um, designed to, particularly designed to improve your brain health, but it wow. has um, added vitamin D and some other vitamins. Really, really great little product. That's great. Wow. I just, yeah, I just happened to have that in front of me when you were talking about the brain health. That's awesome. I love it. So how does carnivore diet interlink with all this? So apart from the obvious facts of, of, you know, having less carbohydrates, you know, managing your insulin levels better, and less gluten, vegetable oil. What about the, the counter argument of all of the worries around, you know, fat, um, high fat foods, and obviously, because even with your carnivore diet being protein and, and meat, you know, obviously you're gonna get fat cuts on them as well. So what, what, how do you respond to those concerns so I'm sure you get them when you're talking to clients about them. Yeah, you see it in the mainstream media, you know, the, the, the high fat diet or the saturated fat kills or meat eaters, you know, having X amount of cancer. Sure. Yeah. So this, this is a whole nother loophole or a whole nother rabbit hole to go under. Um, I, you know, I, I found out about the carnivore diet um, like most people did through the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, he interviewed Sean Baker. Um, I've had Sean Baker on our podcast and I had to tell him to this. Awesome. Yeah, I have, which was cool. Um, but I had to tell him that to this very day, I have not finished that episode on Joe Rogan. I have consumed a ton of his content. I'm a coach for his company. But when, when he said he only ate ribeyes and he was perfectly healthy, 
at the time, like 2018 or 2017, when I heard about this, I was like, okay, this guy is insane. No chance. And I turned it off and I, to this day, I've never resumed that episode, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But I decided I wanted to try it for myself. Eventually, I, I did more research. And just the idea that, um, you know, humans eat a lot of proteins and fats, and there is no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. Carbohydrates that we eat are not essential for us to consume. And so I said, you know, 30 days, 30 days won't kill me. I'm going to try it for 30 days. And that was three years ago. So I wow. really enjoyed it. Um, it's very simple. It's easy. Um, so you've yeah. been carn carnivore for, or just no, no carbs for three years. I would say I did one year that I was very strict. Again, it started out as a 30 day experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to be really strict with it. And so I did, there was another year that I was like a little bit more loose with it. And I started to include more carbohydrates and it was fine. It wasn't a big deal, but I didn't feel as optimal. It, yeah. I, I was a little bit more puffy. My digestion slowed down a little bit. I just, I didn't like it as much. And so in the last few months, I've been more strict again for no other reason than I just like really like it. It's just really enjoyable. Um, I eat once a day. Uh, you eat twice a day, which is totally fine. Most carnivores find that, you know, they eat once or twice a day and they don't need to eat that much more. Um, the, more the more I go off my diet, like when I say off, I mean, if I'm just going through a patch where I'm just not quite as on it and my carbs increases, the more I eat, it just always, wow. and, and my, the lower my energy levels go, it just wow. always happens. I just do better, you know, on a, I remember when I, the first nutrition book or health book I ever read was like most people was Paul Check's Eat, Eat, Move and Be Healthy. And he, yeah. he obviously has a, had a similar kind of process, which is finding out your metabolic type, right? And, you know, Paul's always, always been very ahead of the game. So he, he obviously knew what he was talking about. Yeah, that's great. No, I love that. Paul check is amazing. Did you check? Did you did you test your like blood glucose level? Did you do any testing when you after your thirty days or pre and post? I did. Yes, we as a company as a company I worked for before we offered a blood test and we there was a panel that was more like cardiovascular health related and I chose to do that about six months in and there's there just really wasn't much there as far as concern. Um, you know, right, you asked okay. the question, yeah, you asked the question, you know, do people talk about like the risk of a high fat diet or consuming a lot of saturated fat or eating meat? It, it, it's really sad. Those, any study that comes out, there has been nothing ever that says that eating saturated fat causes heart disease, that cholesterol in the diet is a risk for more heart disease. There's certain things that people can look at, but for the most part, it, yeah, that's right. It's never been proven. Even in a study, you'll read the abstract of the study and they'll say like something like there's no difference. But then the headline of the study will say like, like, you know, red meat causes cancer, eggs, it's smoke, it, like eating an egg is like smoking a pack of cigarettes. It is absolutely bonkers. That's not true. There, there's another agenda that's pushing this idea forward that fat is going to kill you, that carbohydrates should be the base of the diet. It's, it's just not true. I mean, we just interviewed a guy named um, Dave Champion. He's a PhD. He's 62 years old. Um, he just wrote a book called Body Science, and he talks about the state of ketosis and cholesterol and how energy gets delivered through the body. Cholesterol is amazing. It's such a cool thing that we 
we make more than we could ever consume. It does so many helpful things in our body. And, and just even his own personal health, like his joints hurt. He was overweight. He was insulin resistant in so many different ways. Doctors never identified it. He went low carb. He started feeling better. Then he heard of carnivore, felt even better after doing 18 months of it. He now has no joint pain. He can do as many pull-ups as he likes. He can hang from a bar where his shoulders were just killing him before. Um, he lost a ton of weight. He's super lean, very fit. And like he just did a calcium score after 18 months of eating meat and only meat, only red meat, fatty meat, saturated fat. He just did a calcium score, zero score. He has no buildup of calcium in his arteries. And there's just so many stories like that. It's just, this is our natural, normal human diet that we have always eaten and we should continue to eat. And it's not that you have to do carnivore. You, it doesn't mean you can never eat carbohydrates. It's just reducing those carbohydrates down as much as possible. I guess the, the key factor here to kind of mention to listeners is the fact that when eating these meats, we're choosing good source, like ideally like grass fed, you know, but just good quality meat cuts. And, and this is again, where a lot of the studies go fail is a lot of the studies are based on people eating the, the, the <laughs> complete crap basically. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, when we're coaching somebody on a carnivore diet, We'll tell them, especially initially, like, look, if you can get the better cuts, if you can get grass fed and pasture raised and you can get to know a farmer or, you know, somebody who's raising cattle near you, that's going to be way better. Like really try to do that. But I also know a lot of people who are eating more conventional, you know, meat and, and more conventional eggs and they do okay too. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's not only like removing the stuff in the diet that's actually harmful but it's also including more of the things that are really beneficial. What's going to make you feel full and make you feel good and make you think clearly and make you be more present and more grateful and more happy in your life. And just, just yeah, I think, I think you mentioned a few times there, like how you feel. And I think this it's a metric that people just don't utilize anywhere near enough when they're going on a lifestyle change and trying to improve their nutrition is, is just how, how do you feel? I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the way that we do things at LPT is we're, we're trying to, you know, yes, we, health, weight loss is, is for, for some people one of their goals, but we want to do it the healthy way. And, and you know, that, that can get complicated because sometimes, you know, if we're doing a lot of the phase of strength training, you know, that, that and, and it's not just all cardio all the time, that they're, they're likely to gain a bit of weight in, in muscle mass. Um, we often see the inch loss on the body, but sometimes the scale weight isn't as low as they'd like to see that, but they're only basing that on, you know, their past experiences of, of dieting, which is all based around the metric of the scale. Um, but I said, to, I said to a person the other day, you know, if let's say you lost three stone, but you could, you felt like crap, you had no energy, your, your, your skin started to you know, maybe kind of like get, get dry and you just had no get up and go. You, you, you felt awful all the time. Would, would that be classed as success? <laughs> you know? And she's like, oh, no, or if let's say you lost just one stone, but you're vibrant, your skin's, you're glowing, you're feeling great, your performance in the gym's better, you know, you can play with your kids, you can be a great, you can do whatever you want. 
which one would you go for? And, and obviously everyone listening to this is going to choose the, the one stone loss, yeah. but play the longer game of, of just feeling good in their life. Um, I love that. There's a lot of re-education, I feel like, you know, that needs to happen over the next five, 10 years to, you know, that we've spent the last 20, 30 years, you know, when I say we, but not, not we personally, but the, the society's, norms of diet culture have kind of not done a great job in in people's mindset around dieting have they yeah no not at all and it's for money i mean if i if i eat once a day i eat you know mostly meat and you know i eat maybe a pound pound and a half a day i love my food i never get hungry i can fast all day until you know six or seven p.m I have energy to do anything. I could go on a three hour bike ride. I could go lift weights. I can train all my clients. Like who makes money on that? I don't go to the doctor. I don't need pills. I don't, I'm not on medical devices. Like nobody makes money on that. People make a lot of money if they're buying lots of food, they're buying lots of snacks. They're going to their doctor for more pills, more devices, more surgeries and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, 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 it's really shocking when you open your eyes to the situation that we got ourselves in where people are making a lot of money on, on us collectively. And it's, it sucks. It's a shame that shouldn't be happening. If people knew that they could live a really free life with endless energy, that's coming from stored fat all the time. And their brain could be on fire and they could deal with stress better and they could be with their kids and like age healthy. Like, you know, we talk about, especially over here, like things like dad bod or like, you know, you get hangry and people joke around about like, Oh, you just get older and you're breaking down and you know, you're going to gain 10 pounds a year. And, you know, average people gain like 30 pounds during the pandemic. Like that's, that that's such a shame. That shouldn't happen. Humans don't do that. Humans can be healthy and happy and age with, you know, vigor and with health and with presence and with gratitude for a very long time. And if, if we can create and share that message, like you said, of like, no, there's a different way that you can do this and you could do this without being in the medical system, without being in the food system. And you could really thrive and enjoy your life so much more. I wish more people would try. I wish more people would like kind of move towards that. And that's why I think things like this, like your podcast is so helpful and valuable. And if it, it's like we said in the beginning, if it helps one or two people, amazing. That's like the best we could ask for. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the key thing you said there is just try, just experiment. Like if you did two, three, maybe four weeks where you change your diet up, you drink more you know, water, you, you know, you, you maybe try carnivore. You, you just, how do you feel? What's the worst that can happen for most people? They're already eating a load of processed junk and takeaways and alcohol. So if you just change it up and, and choose something else and, and suddenly your energy feels better and you kind of like, you have less brain fog, you lose some weight, and then it can be like, oh, actually, this maybe this this is going to be something that I want to. And the thing is, like it's like you said, it doesn't mean that because you've tried that and it's kind of worked. And this is this is the diet term that people use. It works for me, right? <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean that that is then your life. Like you said, you did the thirty days where you were very strict. You know, you saw the results. But then, you know, you started to bring things back in. And that's that's kind of how I live now. Like, I know when things are starting to dip a little bit. So I, I, my biggest metric is how do I feel? Like where are my energy levels right now at two, three o'clock? That's a good benchmark for me. If I know if they're on the dip, 
you know, I need to look at my diet. I need to look at my exercise regime. I need to look at my sleep. Those are the big three. And, okay. you know, I can usually clock one of them needs a bit more attention or sometimes two, but usually it's just one. It might be, oh, okay, yeah, my, my sleep was not good last night or I went to bed too late or had too much time in front of the blue light. Or it could be that the, there was the carbs started to creep in a little bit too much beyond that point. And it's just, you know, the, the theme of mastering you is always, it always comes back to self-awareness. It's just knowing yourself and knowing at what point is that kind of just tipping, tipping over into a territory where you need to make a change. I love that. I love that you use the word experiment too, because can an experiment fail? Like, no, it's just an experiment. You're just yeah. trying things out. If it, if it shows you that what you're doing is working, then it worked. If it shows you that what you're doing is not working, then it also worked. It's just pointing you in the right direction. I mean, but also, it's not to say it won't change in two, three years' time. Like we, right. we, we evolve. And like you, you, what you're eating now, you, you weren't eating when you were five years old, right? <laughs> like That's right. When you're in another 10 years, you may, you may change it up slightly a little bit more. It depends yep. on your activity level, depends on so many different variables. Totally. Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. People don't need to think that just because I'm doing this now, I have to do this forever. It's just a tool in a toolbox. Sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. A hammer doesn't make a very good screwdriver. You need a screwdriver when you need a screwdriver. Same with fasting, same with low carb, same with different forms of exercise. They're just tools yeah. and it's just an experiment. And what works today might not work next week. And it's just, it's really great to be pragmatic and practical and just be really honest with yourself and always ask you like, how do I feel? Do I like this? Is this adding value in my life? Or is this taking away value? And it's just a really simple thing. Like as health professionals, like you and I, like, again, we don't really care what people do. We just want people to be healthy and happy and whatever that is for somebody today, that's great, whatever. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly how <laughs> we talk about it as well. Like I always say to people, it's, you know, something like fasting, for instance, it's just another tool that you can add to your health or your fat loss toolbox. And sometimes that will be a really good strategy rather than eating like yep. sometimes that that will be the strategy rather than going low carb or high carb or having a snack maybe it's just i just choose to i always remember i was in i was in uh, up north on a business mastermind uh with a guy do you know paul Moore? i used to master no with paul no i don't and um he was treating us all to like a really slap up meal um we'd, we'd had a whole weekend of just working on that business and it was Christmas time and I had my Christmas members Christmas party to get back to. And, uh, and this restaurant service was horrendous. And we were waiting there for like an hour and a half and there was, no, there was no food. And my train was leaving in like 45 minutes or 60 minutes. And I was like, oh, I was, I was really hungry. because I was, But I was hungry because I was, I was aware that I was looking at other people's um, tables and I was aware oh, this food looks amazing. Like this restaurant was really nice. And then it just got to that point where I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to go. I can't, I can't, I'm going to miss my train. And then I, I had, I had that self-awareness kicked in. I was crossing the road and like at all train stations, you've got like the, you've got like the, the, um, the shop bit where you can go and get stuff. I was just about to go in and I was like, actually, no, I can fast. Like I have the, I have the ability to fast. 
It's only a two hour uh, train journey. I can manage two hours without food. I'm going to probably eat a bit more tonight anyway, because it's the members night. And it's just always stuck in my mind. I just had, you know, because that self-awareness just kicked in. I've been doing a lot of intermittent fasting around that time. And it's just a useful tool to have, you know, it's so, it's so handy. I love um, that. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge that you find, Casey, with, with, with actually the transition? Because you know, I'm, I'm aware the, the American sort of the, the diet is, is not on the whole that great, is it? <laughs> to, to put it fairly mildly. Um, very, very mildly. <laughs> <laughs> that's me being really kind. Um, very. Uh, it must be quite a mindset shift for people when you say, right, well, let, let's trans, how do you make that transition? Do you, do you go cold turkey or do you do you sort of like slowly, slowly bring those, like, those carbs down? Yeah, that's a great question. What, when, I, when I talk to people about this, I'll use like a pool as an analogy. Like a, there, there's like kind of a shallow end on the pool and there's also an end where it's really deep and you can jump off the diving board and jump right in. You can do either way, it doesn't matter. If you go through the shallow end, it's going to take a little bit longer, but you're going to get accustomed to it eventually. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Some people, they want to just cannonball plunge off the diving board and they want to go right into the deep end. And it's going to be a more of a shock to the system for sure. It's going to be a little colder, but they'll get used to it a little bit more quickly. So can I, I, don't, can I, I don't, can ask a question on that point? Do you yeah. find that the, it's more the, the men that want to dive into the deep end? That's a great question. Um, boy, I think it's easier for them. Um, men, you know, it's, it's a little easier for us because we seem to work on like a 24 hour cycle. Like we don't have a monthly cycle or women yeah. have a monthly cycle. They work on a 28 day cycle and it makes it really complicated. Um, I think for women, there's certain times of the month that they can fast and it can be totally fine. And there's other times where it's probably not the greatest, greatest idea. Um, so I think it's easier for men. I think it also depends on the person on what they choose. Um, but yeah, I think they can go either way. Things I yeah. tell people in the beginning is if, if I tell you don't eat carbohydrates, you're, that's all you're going to think about is don't eat carbohydrates, don't eat carbohydrates. What are you going to want? Of course, you're going to want all the carbohydrates. You taste it. They're supposed to. But yeah. yummy. Um, so I, I'd like to have people focus more on the things that they, they really enjoy, they really like, that have more of the proteins and fats that are going to make them more satiated. So rather than having a deficit mindset, it's more of like an addition mindset. You, yeah. Don't worry about what you can eat. Just fill up on these foods. Don't worry about the carbohydrates. They'll fall over time. You just, you, your taste will change. You won't like them as much. Um, transitioning off of carbohydrates can be challenging. A lot of people talk about keto flu where, you know, there's a bunch of days where you just feel really crappy and crummy and your brain's not working. That's a really good sign. It's, it's really uncomfortable for people because they don't like to feel like crap, but um, it's a good sign. It means you're on track. Things that can help that a lot of people aren't aware of is lots of water and lots of salt. We just, we're not getting nearly enough salt in our diets that we need as humans. And we're, we, we're weirdly craving it in different ways. And we get our salt through a lot of processed foods, a lot of chips and, you know, the, the takeaway meals and things like that. That's how we're getting the salt that we're craving. And really, we should just have normal salt. Um, so that's something that that's can really why, help. That's why the, 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 most people are scared of salt. They think salt's bad. Can you explain, can you talk to that? Yes. So 
so your blood vessels, you know, we talked about like salt and high blood pressure, for example, your blood vessels get, they, they should work like a water balloon. Um, so they should, they should dilate. They should get bigger. They should get smaller. If there's more volume, they, they can expand and accommodate more volume. That's just totally normal. When you eat salt, you retain a little bit more water. It can increase your blood volume and circulation. And if you have healthy blood vessels, that's totally fine. It's like a water balloon. You should add more water and it expands. When, when salt becomes a problem, it's, it's a problem of like your arteries becoming very stiff. And what makes your arteries stiff is a lot of glucose in the blood and a lot of those polyunsaturated fats, the vegetable oils that we talked about, that can stiffen the arteries. So when you add salt to that type of a diet, it's already high sugar, high carbohydrate, the, the arteries become so stiff they can't expand. And that's when we see an elevation in, in blood pressure. And so, so eating chips, high carbohydrate, high salt, that's not a really great idea. But if you've got a good vascular system and everything's expanding and contracting the way it needs to, having salt and having water is amazing. And you should have like literally several grams of it every single day. It's really great for you. It'll good increase way to your- start the day, isn't it? It's a good little, oh. um, uh, I started doing Aubrey Marcus's uh, cocktail, morning cocktail with the salt and um, takes a bit of getting used to mine. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I, I didn't used to do this, but I do this every morning where I put, you know, maybe like a gram or two of salt in my coffee every single morning. And it, I use also a little bit of fat in my coffee and it's a really savory kind of salty, really tasty. I, I, I love it. Um, but, you know, anytime I feel like I'm feeling a little lightheaded, I'm getting cramps. Um, I feel cold in my hands and feet. Like I can tell my circulation isn't as good. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned getting lightheaded. Um, if my mental clarity isn't as high as I would like it to be, or if I feel like I'm craving sugar, those are all great signs that I know that I need to have more salt. And I'll literally just take a little vial of salt and I'll shoot two, three, four grams at a time. I'll chase it with water. And it's really amazing. It improves my circulation. It makes me feel better. I can go out, you know, it gets to be a hundred degrees in the afternoon around here in Utah. And I'll go out on a bike ride in the middle of the afternoon. I wouldn't even bring a water bottle with me. Yeah. The salt that I eat in my diet helps me retain the water that I already have. And so I don't need to drink nearly as much. I don't need to just pour water in, into my body as I'm training and riding my bike. It's, it's really great. It's very convenient. And most people are, are just nowhere near the amount of salt that they need. Have you got a preferred type of salt? Uh, yes, I do. There's two, one that's closer to me and one that's very close to you. Um, I use Redmond Real Salt. So Redmond real salt is one that comes from Utah. It's a sea salt, but we, obviously we don't have an ocean in Utah. It's a dried up ancient seabed. And okay. the salt is really rich. It's, it's a very pure form and it hasn't been polluted with a lot of plastics and you know the crap that's in the ocean now. So that's my primary one. Um, I also use a finishing salt um, that's big and it's flaky. It's like kind of like, like almost like, um, like cubes or pyramids yeah, of yeah, salt. Yeah. They're really good. It's called Malden salt and it comes from England. And it, it's funny, it's almost like a good one to like snack on. It's really flaky and, and crunchy. Yeah. Um, and so those are the two that I use. And I would just encourage anybody, like just, just find any salt that you enjoy, that you like. There's lots of great salts around the world. France has a lot of great ones. Himalayan salt can be fine. Just whatever you enjoy that you like the taste of. Um, salt, salt is a little unlike sugar. When you eat sugar, 
sugar always tastes good. There's no self-regulation. If you have a bite of a biscuit, you're going to have another and another and another and another. It's always going to taste good. There's no regulation on it. But most people can relate to the experience of like eating something salty. It tastes really good. They continue eating it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's way too much salt. I got to stop. That's your body telling you when you've gotten enough salt. And most people you know, can relate to that experience, but don't get there very often. And so just, yeah, I encourage anybody to have whatever salt they enjoy around them. Is there one that you prefer? Um, well, I'd probably Himalayan um, and diff different sea salts, to be honest, but there's not a particular brand. Might check out that. Was it Malden? Malden, yeah. M-A-L-D-O-N, yes. And it, I believe it comes from England, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I, I'm guessing you would add that on like your steaks or your, your meat off quite often as well, right? Yes, definitely. So with the bigger crystals, they, um, it, it, it tastes better as like a finisher. So this would be something you would add at yeah. the very end, um, you know, great on like tomatoes or mozzarella cheese, something like that. It's great on steaks as a finisher. Again, I think it's great just to snack on during the day. Um, every year I do a backpacking trip, um, where we walk like 10 miles and we have a really heavy backpack and my energy at this point is I, I just feel better when I'm in the fasted state. I always work out fasted. I spend my entire day in a fasted state. And the only thing I'll bring with me on this hike that takes several hours is just a little vial of that salt. And I'll, I'll use either one, either the Redmond's real salt or the Malden salt, and I'll just snack on it and I'll watch, watch everybody else that I go with just in amazement. They have to stop every two to three miles. They need their snacks and they bust out a big jar of peanut butter, which is heavy and inconvenient to carry anyway. And they're always hungry and they speed up yeah. and then they slow back down and I have to wait for them. And I, I, I can get through the entire thing, get my camp set up, get my water, you know, and then in the evening cook my meal. And the only thing I've had that day is salt. It's really easy. I think, I think just to finish up, I think probably one, one last little thing would be really cool to, for the listeners. Cause we, we've, we've had one, uh, episode before but it was a good year ago uh we had gavin allenson on about keto but um for a lot of people listening that they'll, they'll they'll struggle to get their head around the, the idea of only eating like once or, or tw twice a day can you just talk to like hormonally what happens because until you've experienced going low carb and then going to maybe higher fat keto high protein or even fasting just it, it's when, when you get through that first day or even that second day how you feel after that it's like you've had taken a drug it's like a magic drug and obviously as we know as ketones build you know your, your ghrelin levels drop and the hormones really really change it's can you just talk a little bit to that Casey about how how, how that works yeah that's such a great question Matt I I just uh, we, we mentioned the guy I mentioned earlier, um, his name's Dave Champion, PhD. He, he coined the term glucosis as opposed to ketosis. So ketosis is your burning fat as fuel. Fat's coming from your body or from the food that you consume. And, and glucosis means to him that you're consuming carbohydrates and your fuel is coming from carbohydrates. And if you choose to go down that route, like 99% of people, at least around me, do, whether they want to or not, you're hungry all the time. Your hormones are bouncing up and down all the time. Insulin is going up and down and up and down and up and down and storing fat and you're crashing. You feel tired, lethargic. Your brain isn't functioning correctly. You're moody. You're not, you're not very present because you're thinking about food all the time. 
And I just, I, man, I, I wish, like we said earlier, I wish more people would try, just try it. You have no idea what you're missing out on to feel your best, to have your skin be clear, to have no digestive issues, IBS, IBD, Crohn's disease, all these things go away. Your brain just has all of this free energy. It's just energy that's coming up through you, in you, from the stored fat that you already have, and it doesn't run out. And you could play with your kids and go paddle boarding and do fun things. One of the most shocking things that I would say that I was not expecting when I changed my diet was, was like my reaction to stress and my gratitude. Um, I, I, I talk about this a lot, like, like it was about a month after I transitioned on the carnivore, somebody bought a big package of personal training with me and then they canceled. They wanted a refund, which if you're a trainer, you know, like you're working on commission, that's, that's your livelihood. I, I lost a lot of money in that transaction. And I remember just like being like, yeah, cool. That's fine. That's great. I, like, I wish you the best. I hope you find what you're looking for. I would never, ever react that way in the past. And it's just, it's such an amazing thing to go through life and like just have so much pleasure and joy in so many simple things and not need to eat all the time and feel great. And I, I, I again, I would just encourage people to try and see what it's like. And maybe you won't like it and you can always go back to what you're doing. But there's this whole other world that most people don't know they could experience that you <laughs> I wish they would I wish they would try I wish they would yeah, see what it that, felt like that goes into the realms of mental health doesn't it you know um if you if, if you're suffering with anxiety depression any of these other uh, mental health conditions I mean just just trying it and just feeling the benefits even if it means that you can just like you said be more grateful that in itself is a, is a again it's just a strategy towards helping yeah. you it's not gonna it's not gonna completely relieve all of your anxiety stress and depression but boy could it have a big impact absolutely yeah we just interviewed brett lloyd who's been a carnivore now for three years <clears throat> and on our show he told us the exact date and wept tears of joy as a 60 something year old that this was the day that my depression left and it didn't come back and wanting to kill myself or being full of rage, being so upset with everything all the time has left my body. And I've not experienced that feeling of, of like, like rage and, and, and depression. And all I feel is peace and joy and gratitude. And that feeling has not left me since that day, like three years ago. Oh my God. It's like so moving. It's yeah. so amazing. And this is what people can experience. You can have a better life. It's just changing a few things. It's not that hard. Mm, yeah. Oh, man, um, we, we passed the hour. It's been, it's gone really quickly and uh, really enjoyed every minute. Um, so, so what, 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 what are you working on at the moment? Casey? <laughs> what, what, what's your big mission with um, Boundless uh, Body? Um, yeah, great question. This, this hour has flown. It's been so much fun talking with you, Matt. Um, you know, we're in a very unique position where we have the clients that we have. We're pretty much as busy as we like to be. We live a very small and simple life and we don't like buy a bunch of stuff. We don't 
that's not part of our life. So we're not, we're not looking really to grow our business so much as just like maintain it and maintain, you know, the same clients we have. Mm-hmm. So that's really unique. And we recognize that we're like really, you know, grateful for that. And that opens up a different resource for us, which is time. We now have a lot more time that we can do things. And so, you know, people can go to our website and they can schedule a 30 minute consultation that's for free. And we can just chat about whatever somebody wants to chat about. Um, we have our podcast uh, called Boundless Body Radio, which we released um, starting in October last year. Um, man, I mean, I how's, just, how's that I mean, been the podcast journey? You've been enjoying that? Uh, amazing. I, it's probably like you, right? Isn't it the most amazing thing? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been awesome. I've got to talk to so many awesome people. I'm so glad glad that I I actually put off starting one for maybe a couple of years, really. Um, but, but, you know, had to be fair to myself, you know, you know, I was running three training facilities and children oh, wow. coming into the world and, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you, you've got to, you got to put your priorities in place. But I think COVID again, it's, it's had its opportunity as well. And I think, right. I think, I think, I think with the podcasting and in, in general, like the, the messages that we're sharing on these episodes, you know, the mainstream media, there is such a lack of sort of discussion around the important things. And it's almost like you can only really get to the truth if you go to the, <laughs> the dark web and, and listen to podcasts. That's right. That's and right. And listen to, you know, hopefully episodes like this and, and bigger episodes. I've just listened to, to Rogan's recent one on talking about COVID and, and you know, um, uh, who was he talking to? Brett Weinstein. And I mean, you know, that there needs to be discussions like this. And, and I hope this, to some extent, becomes more the mainstream. Yeah, me too. The cool thing, like with you and your show, Matt, is that you are the one pushing the message forward. And it's, it, you know, it's coming from the ground. It's not, it's never going to come from the top down. They, they, if, if it came from the top down, there would be trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars lost. And that's what the medical and the food industry is. And they need to keep us in this pattern of being trapped. And so you doing this podcast and this show pushes the message forward. And it's really amazing. And it might not help everybody like we talked about that starfish, but it will help certain people. And we're always passionate about that. We'll always share our podcast with people. Uh, we're kind of like you, like we don't monetize our podcast. It's a passion project. It costs a ton of money <laughs> to do, but I love it. It's, it's way fun. If nobody else listens to the episode besides me, I will always enjoy them. And if some people get some value out of it, it's amazing. It's great. It's the best we could hope for. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for doing this, Casey. And I'm sure our listeners would, would really love this <laughs> and would have made lots of notes. And uh, yeah, well, I would love to do it again sometime. I know we could talk about lots of different things. <laughs> um so uh yeah take care and uh we'll we'll stay in touch and um and is there any last words before you go uh i mean no thank you so much matt this has been a real honor to be on your show um you do great work and we would absolutely love to host you on our show as well and promote you and your work and yeah I, i i hope somebody takes some good out of this and have a better life because of it so it's Casey Ruff from Boundless Body and um, we'll catch up soon. Take care, man. Take care.